Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Look out, it's only films to be buried with. Hello, and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, an insect repellent, and I love films. As Desmond Tutu once said, In many ways, when you're a Nobel Peace Laureate, you have an obligation to humankind, to society, in the same way that the Avengers have an obligation to deliver satisfactorily on their endgame, and they bloody better. Well, thank you, Desmond Tutu. I had no idea you were so into the franchise. Every week I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Jamila Jamil, Ricky Gervais and Mark Kermode, but this week my special guest is the writer, actor, magician, musician and director Andy Nyman. I'm in LA for a few months, so I'm going to try and record as many guests as I can out here. I've got some wicked people signed up. Oh, coming soon. So keep up to date with all these shows and the stand-up gigs and everything by following me on Twitter at Brett Goldstein and on Instagram at Mr. Brett Goldstein, and I'll let you know everything you need to know. If you do enjoy the show and you want to support it and get more content, please come and join me over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein where you'll get extra guest questions for most episodes, you'll get videos, you'll get guest list tickets, recommendations, all sorts of stuff. In the extras this week, Andy and I discuss the power of documentary films, how one of them changed his life, and we also pick the ultimate beginning to a film and the ending, but the beginning is like, yeah, it's definitely that one. Anyway... Remember, best of all, if you do become a Patreon member, not only do you get all this extra good stuff, you don't ever have to hear this bit again about becoming a Patreon member. You get the whole episode, there's no ads, there's none of this bullshit, you just get it pure and uncut. So give it a look over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. So, here we go. Andy Nyman, who I'd never met properly, invited me to his dressing room where he's doing a run of Fiddler on the Roof at the Playhouse Theatre. And we had such a nice time. I was listening back to this episode and the first 10 minutes is pretty much me just telling him how brilliant I think he is. But frankly, he is. And I hope you enjoy this one as much as I did. We had such a nice time. He's a lovely man. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 42 of Films to be Buried With. Hello and welcome to Bills to be Buried With. I am he, Brett Goldstein, and I am joined today by a actor, a writer, a magician, a creator, 
a misdirector, director, <laughs> a contributor to the arts, a good man, a singer, and a hero. Please right. welcome to the show, it's Mr. Andy Diamond. Hooray! Well, Here that's, he is. I'm already embarrassed. Uh, I am joining Andy. He's very kindly invited me to his dressing room at the Playhouse, yeah. where you are currently doing Fiddler on the Roof. Yes. Which I saw at the Manier. Yeah. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Manier. Before it transferred. And it was phenomenal. Thank and you. And you were exquisite. Thank you. And I tell you what I thought. Many things, if I may. One is, that part is so iconic and iconically played by... Topple. That to, to bring something new to it, I was like, fuck, that was brilliant. And, I, and what you had that I've never seen before was rage. And the, oh. the bit in the dancing when you turned, I was like, fuck, that was so great. <laughs> I was like, I never seen, it really made it, it made it like, oh, fucking hell, this is, thank you. This is alive. Yeah. And the other thing I thought, if I may, please, obviously I'd seen Fiddle on the Roof, but I hadn't seen it in years. It's bloody good. It's a really, really good bit of storytelling. It's a remarkable piece of writing. And yeah. to be honest, I think it's undervalued, yes. weirdly. I think that, it, it, you know, clearly it's a show that is in the DNA of life. The songs are famous without people even knowing they're from there. And if they do know it's there, there's this sort of, oh, it's a cosy sort of, yes, I saw it when I was a kid. I saw the film. It's cosy and fun. Yeah. It's not. No. I mean, it is. You could take the songs away and that play mm-hmm. stands there, I honestly believe, alongside Arthur Miller. I, I mean, agree. that writing is fucking extraordinary. Yeah. Honest and painful and funny without... I mean, the gags are brilliant, but not a shtick. I mean, they're utter truth and they're yeah. real. And it, it's so honest about marriage and parenthood yeah. and the immigrant experience and being poor and being Jewish, all those things are separate from each other. It's not like, yeah. you know, oh, it's just a Jew thing. I mean, it's an amazing piece of writing. And the structure, I'd never realised the structure of it, that it is a rule of three show. It's, yeah. a rule of, it's just a classic three daughters, three, each time it gets worse. Oh, yeah. I mean, act it's two a, should be called Kick a Man When He's Down. <laughs> yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Well, and congratulations. And you're now here doing it for a while. We're here for a while, yeah. And it's amazing. I mean, it's at, it sells out. You know, you come out. It's one thing at the Menier when it's, you know, it's 200 seats and you're yeah. doing this brilliant, intimate production. And then you get here where to the Playhouse Theatre that should be uh, 900 seats. And they've ripped 200 seats out for this production wow. because of the way they've changed the design. So you're playing to 700 people and you come out... And I come out at the top of the show for tradition and I look up and it is yeah. rammed night after night. That's amazing. It is amazing. So it's so exciting. Uh, now, as for film. Yes. Now you, uh, I'm sure everyone knows, you made Ghost Stories, very successful in the West End. Just come back now. It's back again. Yes, it is. Is it different? Is it, it is. It's not hugely different. It, it's yeah. sort of our original production. Mm-hmm. Mine and Jeremy Dyson's original production, which has been remounted from our original direction and design and stuff. It's slightly finagled, the design. It's the best design we've ever had for it. It's the same designer, but just lessons you learn from revisiting things. And in exactly the same way, there are a couple of moments in the play 
that we've rewritten from lessons we've learned over the decade it's been around and the film we made of it. And you just think, oh, that kind of worked brilliantly in the film. Maybe we should poach that and put that in there. And that line never quite worked. So let's just twist it to that. Um, so it, in some respects, it feels like the tightest version it's ever been. And the reviews right. have been, um, the reviews now are better than they were originally. Wow. You know, and they were really good originally. Yeah. This has been like fucking hell. Well, yeah. so I went to see the film at the London Film Festival yeah. and it blew my mind. I thought oh. it was fucking brilliant. And I was really, because I'd read an interview with you and I thought it was very interesting that you'd said early on when, you, when the show first came out, there was an interview where people were like, oh, you're going to make this into a film. And you were like, but the play is playing on film, so I don't quite know how we turn it into a film. And then I saw it and I was like, yeah, you do it like that. Yeah. <laughs> you worked it out. <laughs> and it was and so, had you seen the play? I had seen the play, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I sort of went, I went because I'm a fan and I wanted, I was interested, but I was really, it, A, it was like a great fucking ghost train ride, mm. a short, tight, yeah. scary, but I also found it incredibly emotional. It felt much more emotionally satisfying well, and it, quite it's moving it. and Thank sort of you. horrific. <laughs> God, I mean, literally you're saying everything that I want anybody to ever say about <laughs> no, it. I am you. reading the script. Yeah, Thank exactly. You. Thanks for no, that. No, no. But, but that is... <clears throat> That's where the film and the play are so different. You know, yeah. the play, I mean, you know, it has the same secrets and the same truths, but the play is a roller coaster ride that you're sort of, in some respects, carried away by just sort of the chutzpah of it. You can't yeah. quite believe what you're seeing in all respects. You yeah. know, there's a, it's, to me, it's, I don't mean our play is the best of theatre, but it uses all the things that make theatre so invigorating and exciting when it works. The film's a different thing. Mm. So the film isn't a roller coaster ride in quite the same way. And it has a sort of, we really wanted to mine that emotional world a bit more. So it has a real melancholy to it yeah. that sort of out of season seaside England yeah. has about it, which is, which is one of the, you know, because they wanted, there were a couple of American companies that wanted to take it and make it and take it out of our hands. And we sort of turned them all down and stuff. Cause right. there's something that that's, unique about our Britishness mm. and our British experience that's very different from small town America or yeah. larger America. And and that's one of the things I think Jeremy and I really love with the film is that it has that oof, yeah. thing that that makes us all God, let's just get inside and have a cup of tea. <laughs> feel that is yeah. that is Britain. Yeah. Uh, Even the begin I remember the the sort of beginning the credits with the story the of this yeah like it's it's great it's really but again that's, serious and thank you that's a very i mean let's not get onto this because honestly we're not going to talk about any of your right, film okay. questions <laughs> but the truth is yeah. the british jewish experience mm -hmm. is almost never ever talked about filmed mm. captured aside from you know you can point to literally i can think of two things that do it properly to me one is grandma's house yes that i think it's an extraordinary it's piece really, of work really that, that is is brilliantly british and jewish without being jewish <laughs> and the other is bermits for boy right you know jack rosenthal's work from mm. from the late 70s when that generation of british jews and they're sort of not there anymore that generation that you know what i think was the cabbies you know the sort of the working class first generation british you know, immigrant Jews. And that sort of vanished, that yeah. world. So it's really not reflected. You don't get our experience much. So, you know, Jeremy and I met at Jewish summer camp. 
when we were really? kids. Yeah, yeah. So that's another world we wanted to dig into. But anyway. That's fantastic. Anyway, I mean, it's really good. Do you want to make more films? Yeah. Is that a big... Yeah. yeah. Well, you should. Yeah, thank you. I'd like that. Uh, and as an actor, I first saw you in Dead Set. That was when I first came aware of you. Wow. It was like, fuck, he's funny. <laughs> I loved you in Dead Set. Thank you. So funny. Well, I hadn't done a telly for 10 years. Wow. I'm a bit funny about telly. And I'd sort of stayed away from it. And I'd got a call from my agent saying, um, we know you're a bit funny about telly. Not, cause, not, not because... Why I'm, funny about it? You don't not like being recognised? I was in a process of changing my career. Not changing my career to be, to be anything different from an actor. But I'd been an actor for like 15 years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are only so many sort of, there's a funny tall guy and a, sh- and a short guy in this <laughs> yeah. advert you want to do. Or, oh, he's a really interesting, he's the best mate. He's yeah. the funny, you know, and it's just like, okay, I, that's not what I want from my career. That's not who I want to be. That's not mm. why I became an actor. I became an actor because I worshipped De Niro right. and Pacino and those guys. That's what, you know, well, I'm not saying that's what I've achieved, but that's what I, that's my idea of what acting was. Yeah. So I had done a lot of work and then ended up, <clears throat> I got a film. My first film was a thing called Dead Babies, which was this Martin Amis. Mm-hmm. It was me, Paul Bettany, Olivia Williams, Christian Solomino, Charlie Condu, really brilliant cast. Uh, that ended up vanishing. But nevertheless, for me, it was a baptism of fire because it was like, that was my life's ambition fulfilled. Mm. A proper lead playing an extraordinary character in this brave, odd film. So then I phoned my agent and said, that's it. No more little parts. No more this. No more that. I'm going to go to LA and uh, I'm just going to do nice parts in films and, and good roles on stage. And she said, well, that's brilliant. We think that's brilliant. We'll support you. You'll never ever work, just so you know. Um, oh, so I was like, that's okay, because I'll do, you know, bits of magic, or I'll yeah. do this, or I'll do kids' parties, I'll do whatever it takes, mm. it's fine. But I can't, because my, what, the bits and bobs I'd done on telly by then were literally what I described, you know, little best mates, or this and that, and I just thought, fuck that. That's, that's no judgment on people making a living playing yeah, those course. roles or doing those roles only about what was in my head. Yeah. And it's hard enough in this business with the demons you have trying to sort of keep everything at bay so your self-confidence is yeah. okay. I just thought, I don't want, that's not what I want. So I stayed away from it for 10 years. Um, I also think because of telly, if you're not careful, you can choose something that feels like a good idea or you do a job that inadvertently takes off and then you're trapped. Mm. And I never wanted to be trapped. I've always wanted to be able to just be different and play different roles. And, and um, so... Then I got this call from my agent saying, we know that you're funny about telly, but there's this thing called Balloon Wars, which is the working title. Mm-hmm. And it's written by a guy called Charlie Brooker. Well, I literally, by the time they got to the R of Brooker, I was like, yes, yes, whatever. Yeah. Yes. If it's the little best mate, I'm in. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. And well, they sent, it was only sort of one episode. They only had the first act, which Patrick wasn't in that much. There were a couple right. of scenes. But I just devoured this thing holy shit, the writing. And it was so amazing because Charlie's extraordinary as he's now gone on to display. Yeah. But at that point, you know, I knew his writings and, and as a sort of satirist and as a sort yeah. of critic. But what was amazing was seeing what I'd always suspected, which was his, weirdly, as, as sort of bile-filled and acidic as Charlie's writing, I'm not talking about his drama writing, but his, his critiquing yeah. and his stuff was, 
it always had a sense of warmth about it that was this is coming from a place of disappointment at how yeah. good things should be and aren't. And what was amazing about his writing was, holy fuck, he can write it to be yeah. as good as it should be. So then I went and met the director, Jan Demange, who's gone on to do yeah, 71 and yeah. White Boy Rick, I think it's called. The, the That's movie. right, yeah. And I just thought, oh, God, I love him as well. I mean, he's, you know, he's a man. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. He's a proper boy. He's a, he's a proper, in a great way, yeah. you know, he's a proper alpha male, no fucking about. And I loved that because that was one of the things by then I'd done so much theatre. Mm. And one of the things about theatre is I was getting very bored of hearing actors wasting time yeah. as opposed to just getting up and doing it. The flip of that is, of course, on film and telly, very often you're like, can we just not discuss the scene at least once? <laughs> yeah. Can we not do something that resembles rehearsals, for fuck's sake, please? Yeah. Otherwise it's just, you know. So, That's but then I met true. them and got it and it was, it was it's heaven. Brilliant. Oh, Andy, I've forgotten to tell you something. Yeah. Oh, fuck. It's really bad that I haven't told you this. Go on. I should have told you up front. Oh, I don't know how you'll feel about it. You sort of like scary things. I don't know if you'll even be scared of this, but I'll just say it. And yeah. all I just have to do is, uh, you've died. You've died. Okay. Oh, I'm so sorry. And you had that show coming up. I know, it was all uh, going well. And now... How did you die? Peacefully in my sleep. Really? Like my grandpa Benny off a of did he? Yeah. Proper? Um... Literally not an ill day in his life. Yeah. Went to bed, didn't wake up. I think he was 75. Really? You'd pay good money for that, wouldn't you? I mean, you really, really would. So I, can't, I haven't got a, a funny, no, smart, that's your wisecrack dream. answer. That's your dream it's the day. way you want to go, isn't it? Well, it's 75? Just like... Sleep. Yeah, I mean, maybe 85 if okay, you're giving yeah. it a choice. I'm giving you the 85 and still being able to go and have a wee. You know? So you've had your last wee. Yeah. That Midnight might take wee. six months of the final. Which <laughs> mi- Midnight we as opposed to the 11pm we, the yeah. midnight, the 1am and the 3am yeah. and maybe one at five as well. So between the three and five we, yeah. you've gone back to bed yeah. next Boom. to your wife. Yeah. Sleep. Dead. dead. Okay. Do you worry about death? I don't worry about death. No, because that doesn't feed into hypochondria. Death's, death's like, oh, that's okay. I mean, God forbid. I worry about a miserable, slow, horrible, painful... Yeah. Disease and demise. I don't worry about... The last bit. Dying. No. Are are you a hypochondriac? Oh, fucking hell, of course I am. (laughs) I'm Jewish. I mean, what do you want? (laughs) (laughs) Of course I am. Right, so illness and disease is the... Yeah. But death is blessed relief from all the hypochondria. Yeah. Yeah. With the classic gravestone. Told you I was ill. (laughs) Um... And what about uh, an afterlife? Do you do you think there's one? How do you feel about that? I don't think there's an afterlife. You I think don't. Lights out. I think it's lights out. Which doesn't bother me. No. No, because it's not like, oh, that's terrifying. What about the blackness and the darkness? And the... That's just what sleep is, isn't it? Yeah. And it's just like, it's not like, you know, aside from night terrors. <laughs> uh, the only difference is, you know, death is you're not getting up to wee anymore. Yeah. It's a bit of a relief. God, it's um, really relaxing the way yeah, you're selling I'm, I'm this. selling it, yeah. <laughs> I've got a couple of plots I need to get rid of, Brett. That's why. Um, I'll take them. Yeah. Um, well, I have I have good news. If you, unless you like more sleep, uh, there is an afterlife. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Surprise. Yeah. Uh, there's a heaven. It's great. great. You get to do acting in it. <coughs> Lovely. All sorts. Everything's pretty great there, but everyone there is obsessed with film. 
And all they want to know, weirdly, is about your life, but through film. Okay. And the first thing they ask you is, what is the very first film you remember seeing? It's quite a hard one, that. Yeah. Because I'm sure this isn't the first film I saw. And what's changed a lot, I think, when you'll be doing this deeply popular podcast 30 years from now, and you'll be asking people who were babies and teenagers now what their first yeah. film was, it'll be... Well, I was on the tube and I'd, yeah, uh, on my phone... I'll be like, get was, off the podcast. Yeah. You're banned. Yeah. So, whereas my first memories are, sim- you know, are probably going to the pictures. Right. And one of the first films I really remember seeing at the pictures, I remember experiences of coming away from the pictures, like um, a terrible memory of going to see Mary Poppins. Yes. Um where for some weird reason we'd gone on the bus and we were at the bus stop, me, my sister and my mum. And in a weird, I must have been so little. I sort of, I don't even know if this is real or not. It's sort of invented in my head, but I remember it quite clearly. In a sort of, ooh, we can fly way. I sort of lifted my mum's skirt up at the, (laughs) at the bus stop and she was rightly, livid fucking screamed at me i seem to remember i think that probably did happen yeah if you're remembering it yeah so but the first one of the first films i can properly remember seeing at the pictures was the man who would be king oh wow and my grandpa louis of took us and one of the reasons i remember it so clearly <laughs> Because we went and sat down, so, you know, my grandpa took me and... Where was this? Where's this happening? uh, This was the ABC in Leicester. Leicester, okay. So my grandpa was down from Leeds. He took me and my sister, I think my older sister Karen it would have been. How many siblings? Two sisters. Got two sisters. And then we sat down to watch it, and I realised... I actually wasn't with my grandpa or my sister. I sort of gone off with, as we got to the top of the stairs, some other bloke <laughs> sitting next to them. Um, so there was a sort of that weird, and that's maybe why that film resonated yeah. so much was us. At what the, point in the film did you realise you were Well, no, I think before one. the film started, I think my grandpa then was sort of looking <laughs> for me. Um, but it also spoke volumes about what my grandpa was like. The yeah. fact we sort of, he was a bit, not dithery, but not quite, you know, could have been more assertive. <laughs> and I think, you know, was sort of a bit confused taking two little kids. Yeah. So right. I remember that. But more than the film playing a part in it, it was really the whole proper experience of being in the pictures. Yeah. And I miss that. I'm, I, I love going to the pictures mm-hmm. still. But fuck me, the audiences drive me insane now. Yeah. In a way they never used to. The demo, you know, the whole sort of, the whole phones, the yeah. amount of food. But, I mean, it drives me nuts. The chatter mm. drives me nuts. Now I realise I just sound middle aged, but no, I think I'm it with has you. changed a lot. I'm very careful about when I go. I pick times when I think. People won't be there. That's yeah. My... But it can literally take one other person yeah. to ruin it. It was yeah. on, you know, you think, great. Oh, it's empty. Brilliant. This would be good. 
be creepy but good. And, uh, and then one of the person comes in five rows in front of you, yeah. and then they get their phone out halfway through the film. And you're like, you fucking ruined it for me. Yeah, you little cunt. You cunt. This was <laughs> a perfect fucking, experience. You fucking ruined it. You, you ruined it for me. <laughs> the poor yeah. going, I was just turning it off. Happy, you've ruined Happy Death Day two for me. What's wrong with you? I got here at nine a.m. for the captioned performance. <laughs> I've come to Streatham and you've ruined it. Yeah. Um, did, was it film that made you want to be an actor? 100%. Great. 100%. It, it was seeing Richard Dreyfus in Jaws. He's so good. So good. And it was the film itself because, you know, that film changed film forever yeah. in terms of how films For are good sold. And bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you'd never known anything like it. There wasn't a film that was a phenomenon like that. There wasn't a film that was rolled out at many cinemas at the same mm. time. There wasn't films that were branded with toys at the same time that literally, re- it was like a reset button yeah. on the amount of money films could make and then the Hollywood studios completely changed. Mm. It's fascinating, actually, that the impact of that film. But that was, again, God, I'm sounding so Jewish, aren't I? But I can remember going to a little independent cinema. Uh, it was during Pesach, it was during Passover. Right. And my uncle, Harold, was down... Of a Shalom, and saying that a lot. By the way, for the non-Jews listening, I don't know what that that, means. it's rest in peace. Oh, okay. So I want to say my grandpa of a Shalom. Um, so my uncle Harold had come down, mm-hmm. and me and my dad and my uncle Harold during Passover went to see Jaws at the Foss Park, which was one of the many little independent cinemas that Leicester had. You know, we had loads, like many places. And I remember it so clearly because, for those who don't know, Passover is a Jewish festival. I'm not even that religious, but this is part <laughs> of my upbringing. You know, these yeah. things, it's funny how these things sort of date stamp things for you. Yeah. And you're not allowed to eat certain foods. It's very strict. And we went, you know, it was like my dad, my uncle and me all went to the pictures to see Jaws and they bought some a tube of munchies. Well, it literally <laughs> felt like they were buying a pork spit roast. <laughs> I mean, it was, it felt so... I remember my dad saying, don't tell your mother, for God's sake. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And we sat there and watched Jaws, which my dad had already seen. And, of course, the impact of the film, you know, what is fundamentally a fantastic monster movie, scared the shit out of me. Mm. But seeing Richard Dreyfuss there, I'd have been 11 or 12, you know, a little curly-haired Jewish guy Mm. who didn't look like a god on that screen and there I was little curly haired Jewish guy he was wearing glasses you know wearing glasses and there I was little curly haired Jewish kid who wanted to be an actor but thought you've got to be gorgeous to do that you've got to look like a film star you know and that was one of the most amazing things about that the 70s film thing you know one of the amazing shifts in sort of independent films being amazing which you were seeing film stars who were yeah, yeah, Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. Dustin Hoffman, you know, Roy Scheider, yeah. uh, Gene Hackman. You were looking at proper men, yeah. inverted commas, who I guess you'd had sort of Bogart and Edward G. Robinson and people like that yeah. many years before. But, you know, it, there was something about they looked like real people. Mm. And that was the first time, really, I'd properly seen someone who properly looked like me. And I thought that... That made me think then. I, I already was doing drama at school and bits and bobs and liked that. But then I thought, that's it. I can do this. Yeah. And that was it. Love that. Yeah. What's the film that scared you the most? 
Now you, I know, love a horror. Oh God, I love a horror. You love a horror. I love a horror. You love a horror. And I like that. I really love it. I really love it. The film that scared me the most is Dark Water. Is it? The original, I am assuming. I mean, let's, let's, not, let's even, not even discuss it. We don't it. even have to say remake. I mean, you know, at no point in the podcast will a remake be mentioned. <laughs> you should have that as a fucking ident at, at the beginning. You know. Yeah. Uh, yes, the original. There's something really interesting about the Asian horror films mm. that are so close to the British horror film. Go on. This sounds fascinating. I don't know where you're going with this and I'd love to hear it. Well, feel free to disagree. I, unlike American horror films, which I adore, yeah. there's a fundamental difference in the DNA of who they are and who we are. And, you know, the biggest difference is our confidence, volume. Here I am. I'm in the room. Yes. is a sort of American thing. Not everyone. That's a ridiculous generalisation sweeping statement. But if you were to make a joke about a, a stock American, yeah. that's it. Yeah. If you're making a joke about a stock Brit, it's utter embarrassment. Sorry I'm in the room. Sorry I'm in the room. Don't look at me. Yeah. And that notion of being constrained by social inadequacy, embarrassment, outward appearance is very akin to sort of Japanese, Chinese, mm. Thai, suffocating, that sort of narrative of politeness yeah. and not wishing to make waves and wanting to be accepted in as polite and peaceful a way as possible. Well, that's, that's very British. Yeah. And also hand in hand with that is a sort of mundanity. That's one of the things that's always fascinated me with horror and ghost stories and is, is just the humdrumness is the day to day. I find that more interesting and more frightening than big extraordinary yeah. set pieces is the idea of invisible people, people who, if they went missing, you don't really notice for a couple of months. Where did, um, God, she hasn't been in the office. has she? You know, that yeah. is, there's a quietness and a smallness about it. And dark water is drenched in that yeah. in a way that is so, that could feels like it could have been written by M.R. James. Yeah. And of course it's about so much more. It's about a woman who's going through a divorce. It's a really difficult divorce and is struggling with her child and has gone from being affluent and now has no money and is trying to make that work trying to find a place to live with her daughter in a shitty apartment block where there's a horrible leak. And interwoven within that is this classic, classic ghost story that is so frightening and moving. Yeah. And I love how those two take, when they really work, go hand in hand. Yeah. I mean, Mama, I don't know if you've seen Mama. Yeah. Fuck me. I mean, that movie... Again, it's not to everyone's taste because it, it's a little bit in the sort of fantasy world as well, which I don't tend to like. Mm. But the power of a really good ghost story it is can be so moving. Well, I think it. I think I think this is Mark Comedy said this, but maybe someone else. But said that all horror films are really about grief, yeah, and about fear of loss. And I think, like my, I think one of the greatest films of all time ever is Don't Look Now. See, I can't go back to it. I can't watch yeah. it again because of that opening. That's fair. That's fair. You know, that Absolutely is, fair. 
it, it hit me so hard before mm. I had kids. Yeah, I saw yeah. it, and there's something you watch that opening of that. I mean, it's an extraordinary performance from Donald Sutherland. Yeah. That uh, that is so true. Mm. This, everything about that opening is so wretched and yeah. honest and real. It, it, it's just in, in, and once you become a parent, it's mm. impossible to watch that. I can, I can, I can imagine. Yeah. I, 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 why I love that film. One of the many reasons I love it is it's the best uh, portrait of a marriage I've ever seen. Mm. I really love them as a couple. Yeah. And they feel so real. And, yeah. and that I've always thought it's unusual in a film to see a married couple who are dealing with this thing, but who love each other. It's not a, it's not a, I, I, I realise how often you're seeing married couples arguing, and, oh, they're annoying, and they're, this is a sort of working yeah. marriage dealing with a very difficult thing, and there's something very beautiful about it. There is, and that's also, what's interesting is, you're dealing with the mundane and the humdrum. Yeah. Of how you carry on with your yeah. normal life, or attempt to, after something truly awful has happened. It's also got an incredible Pino Donaggio score, that movie. Yeah. I mean, an amazing score. God, it's a fucking good film. Oh. And the, and the, the sex scene make you cry. Sex scene to make you cry. Rare. Some would say rare. <laughs> <laughs> and an ending uh, that's iconic and sadly yeah. ruined many, many, many times. Yeah. But the first time you see that, Oof. if you don't know what's coming, you know, I yeah. mean, talk about the bookends of that movie. Yeah, you know, the, one of the strongest openings you've, you'll ever see in a movie mm-hmm. and one of the strongest closings you'll ever see. Yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, incredible. That's the thing, you know, as filmmakers, yes. you pray that you can make something that touches people and will last. Yeah. To make something, I mean, that's what always makes me laugh when people slag off anything actually yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know they'll talk about this is literally off the top of my head you know um francis Ford coppola and i'll say oh this one's not very good or that one's not very good yeah. you know you, you should make a film <laughs> that la- that is yeah. any that's any good let alone that's lit right make f- five films yeah. that are some of the greatest films ever made yeah. You know, you're allowed to go off the boil or not. Yeah. You know, it's just amazing to me that the ease with which every fucker's a critic. How many days was Guy Story shooting? I can't quite remember. I think it it's was, though, it was it? 25, 26. Amazing. Something like that. Anyway, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's very interesting, the cry, the moving by, moved by horror. I also think I cried in The Sixth Sense the first time I saw of it. Of course, it's an amazing film. Yeah, I think it mo- it was scary and moving at the same time. Fascinating. Yeah. Speaking of which, what's the film that made you cry the most? I've become a terrible baby as I've got older, mm. actually since my dad died. Oh. And so if we, I'm... I've never shot him. Thank you. Yeah. And if I know a film is going to make me cry, I'll stay away from it now. Really? Yeah, oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, don't like it. I mean, you know, oh, wow. managed managed to steal myself to watch Ralph Breaks the Internet. <laughs> That's brave. I well, know, I'm telling I know you, that's those, you those yeah? Pixar's, it's some of the best storytelling. I mean, you know, you're beginning of up. God help you. Yeah. Good luck, mate. Good luck. Yeah, good luck with that, son. But, uh, so really, I, you avoid it. You've had enough. Don't like it. Had enough of being crying. Don't like it. Yeah. You, so, 
Question for you. Yeah. Fiddle on the Roof, which, frankly, yes. I had to... I sat on the end of the road very deliberately because I knew I was... I fucking was a state. Yes. I, kept, I'm just, I hate crying in public. And I would, yeah. it actually, actually find it quite painful yeah. trying to not cry, and I didn't succeed. Yes. When you're in it, it's very emotive. Are you crying yeah. on stage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right. So, yeah, yeah there's a lot of crying going down. But that's sort of weirdly cathartic in a way. Mm. It's very different with... It's funny, I've got two kids. Yeah. And my son is quite like my wife, quite stoic, doesn't really cry. And if he does, it's, you know... My daughter is like me. It's right. animal noises. <laughs> You know, it's, it's like a farm. It's if you try, try not film. to, which starts with a sort of, <laughs> <laughs> and then oh, it's escaping. Okay. Oh, yeah, it's awful. Right. So, but the two films, well, it's a toss-up, really. Mm-hmm. One of them is Field of Dreams. Get out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Of course. Which, given I've not watched since my dad died. No, I mean, that's, please why, don't. <laughs> why would you do that to yourself? Please mate? don't. Um, and the other is Cinema Paradiso. Lovely. And I can clearly remember going to see Cinema Paradiso mm-hmm. at the Curzon Mayfair with my mate Johnny Magnanti. And we both went to see it one afternoon mm-hmm. and literally sat on the floor outside the Curzon Mayfair in inconsolable tears Both for about 15 minutes, yeah. He's Italian. Right. I'm Jewish, obviously. I don't know if I've mentioned that 11,000 <laughs> times yet. I'll put it in the notes just yeah, to flag it just out. in case anyone doesn't know. Um, oh, God, it was a river of tears. I mean, honestly. And again, I've not really revisited it. Mm-hmm. I hear the music, and that's enough to be like, oh, Oh, here animal. come the animal noises. <laughs> release that. Re- release the goat? sounds. Is there a goat in here? Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. Well, fair. I mean... But brilliant storytelling from yeah. both of them. Just brilliant. So well-structured. I mean, Field of Dreams, I'm not sure I could watch again, but... No. It's an absolute, an absolute kick. Classic, isn't it? Yeah. Beautiful. Also, I only found this out recently. I was reading about it. Spoiler alert. The ending in the book isn't a twist. In the book, it, it's his dad. Like, as in, you're just told it's his dad. Oh, right. 30 pages in. I was like, that sounds rubbish. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I didn't know it was a book. Oh, yeah, it was a Is book. Is it a book? Called Shula Stray Jackson. Of course. Uh, I won it. in a co- It's the only time I won a competition. I was like eight or something. And I got sent the book wow. and the video and the soundtrack. That's quite cool. One of the greatest days of my life. Yeah. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. 
At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, What is a film that most people hate? Critically, people disown it. You, I stand by this film till the day I die. I love it. What is it? Get ready. Okay. <laughs> Roadhouse. Great answer. Great answer. Love. <laughs> you love sweeping up an eyeball at the end of the night with Patsy Swayze. I used to fuck guys like you in prison. I love that film. I first saw it at the pictures. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. Honestly, I know it's Rowdy Harrington who directed it. I was like, oh, I, I go and see. I think then he ended up doing like Die Hard 3 or something like that. Or some other sort of schlocky sequel that wasn't very good. But for, for a few years, I was like, uh, anything Rowdy directs, I'll go and see. I loved that movie. And you know what? <laughs> it was on last year at the Prince Charles. They did uh, Richard Zayalara. Yeah. Oh, yeah. His... Presented it right. for his uh, time with one of his books. My son hadn't seen it. I'm not sure that my wife had seen it for years. We went to see it. It really holds up. It really holds up. It's a terrific movie. Great. And it's... Not every movie has to be important. No. And it is schlock. Oh, I'm going to stick another one up there. Go on. That's just popped in my head. Lock Up. Oh. Uh, Stallone, Stallone in prison. With Arnold. Uh, no, one? no. Oh, that one. Talking about oh the eighties no, one. This is the eighties one okay, with uh, Donald Sutherland as Warden Drongul or whatever his yes, name please. is. It's so good. I mean, it it ain't, but it is. It's so good. I do love a prison movie as well. Yeah, but but yeah, Roadhouse. Roadhouse holds up. Killer. Great practical effects. Explosions. Yeah. Car chases. Crashes. Ben Gazzara as the baddie. Brilliant. Love him. Um, it's it's great. It's great not, answer. You it's can have not, it, but it is. You yeah, can have go it. on. That's going in. That's oh, in heaven. That's in. Uh, now, what's the film that you used to love? You loved it so much, and then you've had a look recently, and you've gone, "Oh no, I don't like this anymore." That's a hard one. Yeah, I do find that a hard one, and I did rack my brains about this trying to think. Yeah, and there aren't that many I can think of. One that I did watch recently that mm-hmm. I sat down with the family to watch that me and my wife had good sort of memories of. Oh, this is really clever and inventive. Is My Little Eye, which is the horror film that was like the first one about webcams in a house. And it was like a comment on Big Brother. It was yeah. a Welsh director. I can't okay. remember his name. 
Yes. And it's sort of in a house. It's a bit Big Brother, right? Yeah. It's got and, lots of cameras and sort of in there. Eight of you are in the house. Yes, and if you I've all managed it. to stay here for. And it felt so cutting edge. Yeah. And so. I was like, let's watch this. It's really great. And it ain't right. anymore. Okay. Which is a shame. But I feel mean, you see. Yeah, but, no. But, and I no understand. matter what answer you give to this, it feels a bit mean because. It's very hard to make a film. It's really hard to make a film. And it's, it is a really good film, but I think things have moved. And yeah. what did you say? In times have changed. <laughs> well, I, it's, something, it's a good choice because that is a sort of very, a bit like The Net or something like that. Yes. Where, like, the technology it's suddenly so very dated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, there is a lovely joy in that, though, when you go back and watch films that are supposed to be cutting edge. Yeah. And you watch them and, and all the sort of tech is like, whoa. Yeah. I was, yeah, I'd love to see, I haven't seen The Net in years, but I always imagine it's like, we need to get him when you hear buzz while they're connecting to the radio. <laughs> we'll get him in five minutes. Just give him a minute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is the film that means the most to you? Not necessarily the film is any good, but you will always remember that film fondly because of the experience you had around seeing it. It might have been a first date. It might have been the day you got a job. It was what's on my the own. Film? It was on my own. Great. What's the film? And what's Deep the Red. Story? Profundo Rosso. Go on. Dario Argento. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't see the pictures. It was a rental. Okay. Video nasty. VHS? Yeah, VHS. Well, I'm not... Uh, come on, do I look like Betamax? VHS. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't posh. Um, <laughs> and I'd rented this film. You know, that was a real classic time, you know, when you're going and just renting any shit you could get your hands mm-hmm. on. And... And at that time, you know, there were loads. What was amazing about that period was it gets written off as just sort of the dregs, the floodgates of shit were opened and this filth came pouring out. And the reality is suddenly we were seeing amazing films by incredible filmmakers. You know, Mario Bava, Dario Argento, Lucio Fulci, Wes Craven. You know, you were seeing amazing visionary independent films and some that weren't indies some that are like massive hits in italy or mm. spain or that just had never reached these shores properly it's not what i was doing when i went into the video shop i was taking the one that had the nastiest worst cover yeah thinking oh that looks horrible you know great i'll get that <laughs> uh, and you were inadvertently being educated you know seeing some of these things that you think that's actually a really good film and deep red mm-hmm was a life changer it was honest to god you know i picked it up because on the front of it was a sticker that said contains extreme bloody violence and there was this photo of david hemmings holding this torch peering through a a broken window i think so i rented this and it felt like someone felt like being punched in the face the film is so amazing I mean, it's weird. Yeah. Of course. And the acting's slightly odd and it depends what version you see. It's du- you, you know, it's one of those things where you're better off watching it dubbed because, oh, really? yeah, than, well, because of the way those Italian films were made, which oh, are, they were dubbed originally. It's all dubbed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's they great. They recorded no sound when they yeah, made them. Yeah. There's yeah. a fantastic documentary called Eurocrime where that's all about the um, Italian film industry and the sort of crime thrillers of the 60s, 70s and oh, 80s, early 80s. And them talking about, you know, you'd be doing a scene and in the background, just, 
you know, guys shouting and chatting and, and everything just gets dubbed afterwards. Yeah. So, so weirdly, the dubbing doesn't matter. Okay. But the plot is unbelievably amazing. Dario Argento, those first few films are extraordinary. He wrote Once Upon a Time in the West with Bertolucci. I Argento. didn't know that. Educational as well as Thank you. charming. That's um, yeah. Um, and with a fucking unbelievable finale. Mm. And the most amazing, aside from visually what he did with the, cam- with the camera, which is just jaw-dropping, his design is amazing and his use of a camera is extraordinary. But the soundtrack is incredible as well. It's by this group called Goblin, who are this prog rock group. And in fact, we use the theme of it in the play of Ghost Stories. It's how we open the... Is it? Yeah, that's the theme from Deep Red. I went to see Goblin do a live... Uh, Suspiria? Yeah, in Edinburgh, which was also the first time I'd seen Suspiria, so the whole thing was... Whoa. Yeah. It's a lot, isn't it? Was it was a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. a lot. And also amazing to discover that the, the band make the... Ooh, I no, agree. Because yeah. I went to see them live at the Union Chapel recently doing right. Suspiria. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. it's him. It's him on a mic. Going, I mean, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. So, you know, and again, we slightly take for granted now that goblin sound as something that's either pastiche or mm. used or never heard anything like it in your life. When, when those films came out. Maybe he said the same thing when you were there, but when he introduced it, the lead guy, he said, um, Dario Argento came to us, we were a very young band, and he said, I went to write the soundtrack for our movie, and he said, we were we were so young and we were very lucky. But he was lucky too. Oh, I love that. that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So Deep Red is the film. So literally I saw that and that was... You were like, I'm in. Yeah. It completely... It sort of set the bar, weirdly, at an unachievable height, you know, of how inventive you can be. Wow. And how it sort of didn't matter if no one got what you were going for. Oh, I like that. But what's amazing is his films, not anymore, sadly, but were giant box office hits. Yeah. In, in Italy and, um, I mean, Suspiria globally. Yeah, and it's fucking weird. It's not it's a, a, it's a nightmare. I don't mean it's yeah. a nightmare. I don't yeah. watch it. I mean it's like you're watching a nightmare. Mm. It's absolutely remarkable. But it's done. But it's what everyone. It's what we all should aspire to as an artist, yeah. which is. And I don't mean that in a poncy. But when you work in the arts, you sacrifice enough to try and make a living doing this fucking madness. Whether you're a writer, an actor, a singer, mm. <laughs> you know, whatever your branch happens to be. And when you see somebody who is out there on a limb with that seemingly, fuck you all, this is what I'm making. Yeah. It's so exciting to see that authentically, you know, mm. that, that it, it really had an indelible imprint on me. And again, that's not to say, so ergo, look at what I've achieved. But, yeah. but, but it drips, it, you know, I think that it's important to kind of earmark those things and, yeah. and try and look at why it made such an impact. Aside from that, most importantly, the story's fucking amazing and the reveal of it, the chutzpah of really? it, is unbelievable. Yeah. God, I can't recommend it enough. Ah. Do you, so do you like watching horror films on your own? Did you do that Yeah. 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 Yeah? Yeah. 
Big Bang Boy. Yeah. <laughs> they like crying. You can handle the horror. Yeah, um, exactly. It's like that, man. <laughs> Toy Story the 3, though. forget it. Yeah. They're the killers. Yeah. The ones that, you know, Mama, Dark Water. Mm. When you see one of those and, and you're not expecting it. And, it may, and suddenly it's like, oh, God. Oh, no. Yeah. You know. Love that. What's the film that you most relate to? Is American Psycho? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Is that for grabs? Well, I don't really... I think when I was younger, a film that I always loved and, and sort of maybe related to was Goodbye Girl. Neil Simon. Yes. Richard okay. Dreyfus, which he won the Oscar for. There you go. Youngest actor to ever win an Oscar at that point. Wow. But it's about an actor in New York having to kind of live in a mate's apartment and it's based on a brilliant Neil Simon play. And I just loved, I love New York. Yeah. I loved seeing that sort of late 1970s New York and seeing what an actor's life there would be like. Dreyfus, of course, I've already said because of Jaws, it yeah. felt a bit like, oh, he's sort of, you know, I could sort of be that, yeah. you know. And, and it's just warm and funny and, you know, Neil Simon, what else do you yeah. need to know? It's one of the most perfectly written comedies. Brilliant. Marsha Mason, who was Neil Simon's wife at the time, is the, the female lead, and she's just sparkling and funny and wise, cracky and brilliant and really honest, and it's just great. So that was maybe the film that... Great song by Bread. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And you know that goodbye doesn't mean forever. You know, it's just a brilliant, brilliant movie. Have you ever met Mrs. Dreyfus? No. Mm. I'd like you to. I'd like to. Tell him you to. Just to say thank you. Yeah, I'd really like to. You know, there's a whole period of time he doesn't remember because he was drinking so much. I do, and yeah. The, the film, he made a Down film. Down and out in Beverly Hills. And Whose Life Is It Anyway, which he did the yes. film. Yes. He has zero memory of. Doesn't remember... Oh, I don't remember signing up that. Wow. No, Dan and I in Beverly Hills was the one that he came back after that period. So, no, I didn't know he was like, I didn't know I did it. Wow. He saw it years later, like, oh. And he's very good, you know. Yeah, wow. It's a real advert for drink, that. So, uh, what is the greatest film, objectively, might not be your favourite, but you go, that's the pinnacle of all cinema, that. For me? Yeah. Ghost stories, no. For me... Uh, <laughs> you could have it. I think Once Upon a Time in the West. Good answer. It's just extraordinary. Yeah. And there's just so much to it that I adore. From incredible performances, incredible set pieces. First time I ever saw it was as the Monday film. I don't know if you even remember that. So it, was, that? it was BBC One. Night, on a Monday night, 9 o'clock you'd have the news, 9.25 it was the Monday film. Oh, like That's that. what it was called. Yeah. That's not, you know, and each week would be, and tonight's Monday film is, it was called oh, the Monday nice. film. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't just like that's what we called it in the family. It was called the Monday <laughs> film. And I saw many, many, you know, as a kid growing up, many films like that. Wow. And, um, and I was really thrown by it, by the violence of it, firstly, that sort of Serge Leone violence mm -hmm. that felt so brutal. It's really callous, uh, the yeah. opening of the film. And um, 
and it really upset me. But then the, the scale of the movie is giant and where the story goes and incredible soundtrack, mm. incredible Morricone soundtrack. But also what I now realise, one of the things that I adored most in it is this Dario Argento subplot, yeah. which is all the amazing stuff where you've got these kind of weird blurred flashbacks and each time you get a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more revealing what's happening, which is pure giallo, which is the mm-hmm. Italian murder mystery okay. thing. Uh, and that's one of the things that to me just, it seemed to be elevated above just being this grand Western. Mm. And, and there's just so many layers to it. And I just, again, I just love just the boldness of it, of how big the ideas are and how, again, things that we just end up, that get pastiched all the time or laughed at now, you know, like those tight close-ups on eyes, yeah. you know, and and that stuff that you forget. These, are the pe- these people fucking invented that stuff. Yeah. And someone had to have the courage to go, you know, it'd be amazing here. Just eyes. Eye close-ups. Just eye close-ups. Yeah. Uh, eye close-ups in CinemaScope. It's not just like, let's yeah, just do it a bit. Yeah. I mean, you know, 80-foot wide close-up of Charles Bronson's eyes. Or so, you know. Yeah. And just, holy shit. It's amazing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's amazing. The use of silence in it is amazing. Yeah. Uh, so that, for me... And that also, you know, I saw that, I used to go, it was on at the um, Scala Cinema quite a lot when I was, when I first moved to London. Right. And I saw a lot of, I had a bit of a film education from that place. You know, I was at drama school and I'd... Where were you at drama school? Guildhall, which right. is in the Barbican. So I'd finish at the Barbican and hot foot it over to King's Cross, to the Scala. It was this extraordinary arts cinema that just had the most incredible programming. You know, I saw loads of Dario Argento and then Once Upon a Time in the West was on there and I thought, oh, God, I saw that on telly, I'll see that. Well, seeing it on the big screen, holy shit. I mean, it was just blew me away. Wicked. Yeah. Love so I that. Think, I think that's... Good answer. No one's given it, I don't believe. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God it can go to heaven with me. Uh, what <clears throat> is... Uh, we don't like to be negative. Let's do it quickly. What's the worst film? you've ever seen and I know neither of us like this neither of us want neither of us want this question but here it is we're not in charge <laughs> it's the people in heaven I can't argue with it I'm just a conduit okay that, I, now I don't know that I can answer that because I can't I'm sure as soon as we you've left I'll be like oh you know what I should have said yeah was I can't think of an amusing pithy answer to that as an overriding statement, I get bored to death of fucking bland product. Yeah. The modern disease of bland product. And I sort of include in that superhero films. I'm so over it all. Mm-hmm. I can't be fucked. If I miss what, I, you know, I, I saw the first X-Men. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that was great. Yeah. Oh, God. Opening in the Holocaust. That's amazing. What an amazing idea. And now you've got this, the first MC Wolverine. Now it's like, you know, I feel like... I mean, the guy sounds so old, don't I? It's pathetic. <laughs> but I feel like 
Oh no! If you're not up on the books or you've missed one of them, you're yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm so bored of it. I'm so bored of CGI. Mm-hmm. I'm so bored of everything being. If everything's achievable, who cares? You know, yeah. with CG and everything, I, I, I just leave me cold, cold, cold. So I, there's an umbrella answer there. So I love that you're like. I'm not going to answer this question, but all of cinema currently. Well, what I will say uh, is this. I, uh, one of the other things I like about Guy's story, and it is me paying you another compliment, practical effects. Oh, yeah. I fucking hate CGI, and you did not cheat. Thank you. And it is really well, exciting he, to see. Thank you. Here's what's interesting, though, is we did use CG, but oh, for... What? No, 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 hold on. But in the way that we think CG should be used, which is for removals and little enhancements yes. and things. So if you're doing something and you need to just kind of, oh, let's get rid of that bit of thread or let's get rid of this or let's get rid of that that's where it's incredibly enabling Mm -hmm. or you know if you've shot something you think holy shit there's that guy walking across we didn't see him you can get rid of it yeah but one of the things that i find really interesting about it is i sort of and again i'm so aware i feel like i sound like a dinosaur but i think it stops you thinking as a creator yeah. That's not to say achieving CG is easy, mm-hmm. because God knows 35,000 people have got to be sitting at computers yeah. doing that thing that is incredibly hard. I mean, there was a brilliant quote, I think it was from John Lasseter. Uh, I didn't see it, unfortunately, but there was a Pixar exhibition, and my wife and uh, son went to see it. There was a photo they took at the beginning uh, that was above it saying, saying we make our films with computer, it's all computer generated, is like saying... Snow White's pencil generated. Right. Which is true, yes. of course. There's artists there doing it. But I believe that in, within the DNA of what that thing is, which is anything is achievable, but just takes longer to make it look real on this thing, yeah. it stops you creating in ways that are often more inventive, simpler, more exciting, and as an audience, more satisfying yeah. because you think about that moment or you won't because you're too young but you know when you went to see the spy who loved me as a kid right. and there's the fallout of the plane at the beginning that yeah. ends with i think it's the spy who loved me with the union jack yeah he jumps off the cliff jumps yeah. off the cliff whatever yeah. it is yeah 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 i mean i'm thinking of it now and thinking mm. of ba da 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 and there's the parachute yeah, yeah. The, that, that the was real. Silence the, yes. in the cinema yes. when you feel this holy shit, and think about the brilliance. Now, here's a brilliant use of trick photography: the end of Die Hard. Yes. With that, now I'm not going to say what the end is in case some lucky person hasn't seen Die Hard, which is another one that should be on my list. It is a work of genius. Yes. But there is a a moment at the end where somebody falls. Mm. My God, that moment, the way it's shot is jaw dropping. Um, And it's it's not CG. It's a little bit of green screen, but it's brilliant. The inventiveness of it, because, you know, as an audience, you're connecting to something real and you get the difference in your DNA. So that when I've sat and watched recently a couple of the gigantic blockbusters, there's just no connection to it whatsoever. I agree. I profoundly agree. 
<laughs> I think you can't... I, I, I still... I always want to write a letter to Hollywood going, Dear Hollywood, I don't think your CGI is as good as you think it is. Yeah. Like, when, even like King Kong, all this stuff, you go, they're not there. I know that you don't... Naomi Watts is not there with King Kong. Mm. She is miming and touching a green thing. The connection between her and King Kong, no matter how much work you did, and I know you did an awful lot of work, and good luck to you. Yeah. But you're... This is two things touching. This but is... here's the interesting thing, though, because if you take that analogy and look at the original King Kong, yeah. which reduces you to blobs I love of it. tears. And it's a fucking plasticine. Well, it is, but there's something human about it. Yeah. There's something human about the work that's gone on to create it. And there's something human about the decisions of this is the moment where we have... Faye with the giant hand and then we go back to the articulated animated version there's there's a sort of uh, now we look at it and it's crude at the time it was groundbreaking Mm. but you look at this thing and you're aware in the way that you are with Ardman there is a humanness to that fingerprints on it yeah interestingly when they did flushed away it lacked that yeah where they tried to recreate that feel with, I think it was with Disney and the, you know, so you're trying to synthesise the humanity of it. And it you can't. And we respond to effort. Yeah. I'm just going to, I'm just going to give you a clap for that. <laughs> oh, I love that. God, I love that. Um, what is, uh, I mean, this is going tremendously, by the way, just as a little. Is it? Uh, yeah, not, yeah, not yeah, boring? Not, not at all. Okay. I mean, it's fantastic. Um, what is the... Sexiest film of all time. Oh, and that the... I can't even answer because I just know at some point my wife and kids may listen to this. Just the, just the acknowledge that I have any sort of sexual inclinations. <laughs> just saying that now they'll be like, why did you say sexual like that? The way you said it's embarrassing. Yeah, I've got they're not babies. They're twenty four and twenty one. My kids. Um, so I can't even. I mean, I remember the first time seeing a film. That was a bit again. It was a Monday film. Oh, that yeah. was a bit sexy. Today's Monday film is a bit sexy. Yeah, was because the way we used to watch films at home in my front room was I was in the, was a sort of long front room. Yeah, I'd sit on the seat nearest the telly. Mum and Dad, maybe my sister if they were still up, but generally not, were sort of on the sofa behind. And I remember Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Oh yeah, coming on. Is that Michael Cimino? I think it is. It is, yeah. And it's Clint Eastwood and Jeff Bridges. Exactly right. Very good film. Mm. Very good shoulder dislocation, I seem to remember. But I also remember... Lovely shoulder Sexiest (laughs) film. (laughs) It's with the shoulder dislocation. How weird if that was the end of the story. (laughs) I can see why you wanted to keep that to yourself. But I seem to remember there's a bit where Clint Eastwood has been saying to uh, Jeff Bridges about... They're doing odd jobs. They're like mowing lawns or Mm -hmm. something. And he's talking about, oh, the woman in that house is a bit sexy. <laughs> and then he's mowing the lawn at one bit, looks around, and she's taken a shirt off and is standing at the window. So you've got a full breastal reveal. I, to this day, can remember the blush <laughs> and the hot sweat of knowing my mum <laughs> my mum and dad <laughs> were behind me. Yeah. And I was at the front of the room... That that was the I think the first time I was aware of sort of sexiness in films. Mm. You sat like the royal family. 
Did the we? Way you sat in the thing, as in the sitcom The Royal Family. Yes. Yeah. No, that I realised you didn't mean like that. Yeah. I don't know how that was. <laughs> the Queen. I'd like to see that now. <laughs> yeah. You sat in that configuration. Interestingly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did did it all go completely silent when the breast or displayed? It happened? Yes. And did yeah. someone go? Is it a cup of tea? Uh, I Is don't it? remember. I just remember literally burning, <laughs> burning with embarrassment. <laughs> Yeah. But that, yeah. I'm assuming you're not going to answer the subcategory question. Which is? Uh, uh, which is troubling bonus, <laughs> worrying why don't. No, which is, yeah. I refuse to answer that. You're I'm the, taking the fourth. You're the what second I like person is, who has. Go on. What I like is you've sort of inherited a bit of my embarrassment. Yeah, do you In know asking why? that question, you suddenly feel like me watching Thunderbolt and Light. I'll tell you why. Because like I'm my dad. What the bloody hell are you asking that for? What's wrong yeah, with you? Because I did this with Mark Kermode and he... I, it was like being told off by my dad. When I asked him that question, he said, there's absolutely no way I'm answering that. And I felt I, was, it, I felt like he was going, you're a fucking child. <laughs> it was like the godfather saying, you're a fucking child. Yeah. No, I don't mind the question. I just, yeah. I'm just not going to answer. That's fair enough. We know it's in so front of my children, what films I had a troubling erection in. <laughs> Did you hear that, kids? <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> right, so... Uh, what is the film you can or have watched the most over and over again? I think it's probably Halloween. Oh, what a film. Yeah. Very and, good film. Oh, truly. Yeah. Up until a few years ago, the most successful independent mil- mil- yeah, film a made in movie film. history. Wow. Yeah, most profitable. Unbelievable. There was a period in my late teens mm-hmm. where I must have watched that film 40 times. Yeah. I was sort of obsessed with it. Because I'd seen the fog at the... I'd sort of... I did not watch horror at all. I was terrified of it. And then my sister, Karen, uh, we went to see the fog at the pictures and she said, it will be fine. It's a double A. It won't be scary. <laughs> double A for those uh, are not of a certain age. That was 14. You had to be 14 right. to see it. As opposed to X that was 18. So they were the scary films. So she said, the fog's fine, it won't be scary. And of course it was absolutely proper old-fashioned ghost story scary. But then I got hooked. That was it. I was like, oh my God, who is this man, John Carpenter? What else has he made? Halloween? And it just so happened it was about to come on telly. So I taped it. And then I just watched it and watched it and watched it and watched it and watched it. And couldn't believe it, couldn't believe his use of music, couldn't believe the way the film was made, couldn't believe every, just the brilliance of it. Mm. Just the sheer brilliance of that film. It's all so simple, that film, isn't it? The tune is simple, it, the story is simple, everything's yeah. so simple and it's fucking scary. And timeless and classic. I yeah. mean, that's the thing when you're watching it that's so amazing. It just felt like this film will never age. And it hasn't. No. I mean, the, the sort of reboot they did last year I thought was pretty good and mm. pretty well made and stuff. But, it's just nothing like that original. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, now, you're funny. What's the funniest film you've ever seen? Or, oh, sometimes I say this question differently, because actually I think what I mean is, what's the film that made you laugh the most? That's a, that's a, a difference, asking, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so I've got one proper answer and one sort of sub-answer. The sub-answer slightly embarrassingly is a film that I'm in. That's fine, that's a good answer. Um, and... And I happened to see it quite a few times at sort of um, 
public events and screenings yeah. and things. It's a film called Death at a Funeral. Okay. And it's... Did Frank Oz direct it? He did direct that. Yeah. How is... He's a hero. How he is, is he? He's incredible. I love it. He's incredible. A mensch and mm. just... You got directed by Miss Piggy. You're a very lucky man. Why, so he wouldn't like that. He's very private about that. No, no. Their their performances, his separate performances. Brilliantly, I love him for that. Yeah, he's amazing. You know, and you look at his canon of work. Anyway, seeing that film with an audience is extraordinary. It's written by a guy called Dean Craig. It is a proper old-fashioned farce. It's sort of underseen here, really. Yeah. It's great. Again, it's sort of, it was huge all over the world, apart from here, really, bizarrely. It's so funny and such a brilliant piece of filmmaking. And the only other time, there are two other times I can remember laughing, like the way I laughed in that film, which is so weird when it's something you're in. The only two other times I can remember screaming with laughter in films were the first time I saw Borat. At the cinema. Yeah. Just the sheer daring yeah. of the man. Oh, I could not believe. So I was just breathless at that. And then the only other time, and I haven't seen this film for years and years, and I've no idea how it's aged, but my memory of going to see a fish called Wander at the cinema. Right. And it's one of those few moments like with Borat and like actually with Death at a Funeral, where the screaming laughter in unison and no one was would be on, but they weren't on the phones then, but, yeah. you know, everyone totally in it, everything that's set up pays off, and just the joy of it, reminding you of what a brilliant thing cinema is, yeah. when it, what a u- brilliant, unifying experience. Um, I think the, in, the, the Inbetweeners movies do a brilliant job as well. Yeah. I really do. You know, I think they're, they properly deliver and not just deliver for its audience. They're just genuinely warm and funny and brilliant. I'm slightly nervous to revisit Vish Called Wonder because I don't know how good it yeah, I can understand would your be fear. now. Um, but certainly at the time, just wonderful. Yeah, Borat's got that real guttural like a bit like I remember someone talking about the jackass films and I don't the, the jackass stuff like yeah. upsets me mm. but I understand their point was like the effect that they have on you as like a human is so yeah. primal yeah that whatever you think of jackass it will make you wince or it will make yeah. you yeah you will have an emotional response to it yeah regardless of how intellectual you try and be about it and there is an element with Borat it's almost like a very highbrow version of that like totally where you're just going, fucking hell, and it's making you... Well, he's fucking fearless. Yeah. He's, no matter what one thinks of him as, a, as an actor or performer or creator or provocateur, yeah. you can't help but admire him. Yeah, it's And the fucking balls on him. And literally, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's just... That's extraordinary. Yeah. He is amazing. Mm-hmm. He is truly, truly amazing. So I, I, I just loved that when I saw it. You can have it. Now, Andy Nyman, you've been genuinely wonderful. I've loved this. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your time and your patience. Uh, there's a bot coming here, go on. Uh, when you um, died between the hours of three and five, yeah. you did your three o'clock wee. Yeah. You went back to bed, thought with your wife, 
Mm. You've got an electric blanket at yeah. this point. You had the electric blanket going, fell asleep, died. Mm. Your wife got up. Sounds like I had a little wee in bed and that caused <laughs> the death. <laughs> yeah. And that is what happened. Yeah. You, your wife had got up and you had a little wee at five o'clock. Because you, you, you electrocuted yes. yourself. Yeah. And when we found your body, you had actually like, um, what's the word? You'd basically melded into the bed uh, okay. through the burn. And cool. um, we couldn't get yours. So we actually had to cut up the bed okay. into pieces with you on it. Everything was stuck. You were stuck to the blanket. You were stuck to the mattress. It was a yeah. fucking mess. I'm mm. so sorry. Okay. So we stuff all of you in the coffin. Right. But there's bits of the bed. There's bits of the blanket. It's, uh, right. it's chaos. Yeah. Coffin is starting to be upset. Absolutely now, rammed. Not from being amusing. Yeah, there's only room in this coffin because of all this stuff for one DVD. The DVD we're going to slide in the side, and you take it to the other side. And on the other side, it's movie night every night, and one night it's your movie night. What film are you taking to show everyone? There's a knock at the door. I am taking with me ghost stories. Excellent answer. Because that would be. It's got bits of my family in it. Yeah. I'm very proud of it. It's got me and Jeremy Dyson together in it. And that might be horribly fucking arrogant that that's the one that goes with me. But I love film so much. And the fact we actually made a film yeah. gives me such joy. Andy Nyman, is there anything you would like to plug or say before we say goodbye? No, I've loved for? every second of this. So have I. Thank you very much. I hope you have a wonderful show tonight. Thank you. And for those of you listening, if you haven't already got tickets, go and see it. It's fucking beautiful. Um, yes Ghost Stories is on at the Lyric and do you see Ghost Stories live yeah but also see that and film and Fiddler on the Roof and see the film Fiddler on the Roof at the Playhouse Theatre uh, God bless you have a wonderful time on the other side and good day to you sir thank you that was episode 42 there head over to patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein to access the extra material with Andy Nyman and if you do enjoy this show please would you subscribe and give it five stars and a nice review for the simple reason apparently it helps the numbers, means more people get to hear it, I can keep making it, you can keep listening to it, we can keep doing this forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever until the world explodes. Thank you so much to Andy for inviting me over to do this. Thank you to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it, to Acast for hosting it, to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lydon for the photography. Come and join me next week when my guest is one of my favourite comedians out in the States. It is the incredible Punky Johnson. Have a lovely week and please be excellent to each other. Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.
Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.